Please stand and read together with me from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 2 through 13. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptizing in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Be seated. Let's pray. Let's pray. Anyone? Um, I'm going to pray. You'll hear me. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you again that you have brought us together and that you have given us your word, your holy scripture, uh, given to us in the gospel of Mark. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just make us uh, people who are ready to hear, ready to hear your voice, ready to hear your will, ready to hear your love. There are many things that uh, can intrude upon our mind. There are many ways that we can say, I should be doing this, or, oh my goodness, I have so much more to do. But let those thoughts, Father, just be put aside and let us hear you. Father, I pray that you would make me an instrument that preaches your word, that makes it clear, that makes it uh, understandable, and Father, that you would be pleased to send your Holy Spirit through it, that it would bring the glory that you want from it. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, so if you were here last week, we were in Mark 1.1, and now this week we're in Mark 1.2. And that is a little bit of how we do things here at Renew EPC. One of our core values is that we are truth grounded. Uh, We believe that all truth is God's truth, and we believe that the Bible is God's truth, as we confess in our affirmation of faith. And so when you come to Renew to uh, hear a message, our task is to present to you uh, a, a message from the scriptures so that you are hearing what God has determined to write down for our good. 
And so the way that we make sure that you are primarily hearing what God wants you to hear and not the, the brilliant thoughts that I have uh, is that we go through expository preaching, which is to say that we take the Bible verse by verse. So what do I get to preach on today? Well, I don't get to preach on uh, the thoughts I had in the shower. I, I get to preach on the next thing that Mark tells us in the Gospel of Mark. And so we call that expository preaching, and that is so that you are hearing God's word as undiluted as possible from me each Sunday. So the Gospel of Mark, why did we start with the Gospel of Mark? Uh, because our mission statement is we help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we want to live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ, we have to start with what is the good news of Jesus Christ? And there really isn't a better place to get our minds around that truth than the Gospel of Mark. I love the Gospel of Mark because it is actually the shortest gospel. It is a fast-moving gospel. It hits the high points, and it hits them fast. So as we go through the Gospel of Mark, we believe you are going to grasp what it means to live in and live out the good news of Jesus. And I, I did not mention that our children are invited to go to children's church if they would like to. <laughs> But I think they figured that out. So that's wonderful. So as we get into the Gospel of Mark, uh, we're in his introduction. And I, I want to start with um, an adventure story from my own beautiful wife and I. This is, this is my wife, Becky. Uh, and uh, this was taken in Oslo. We were on a, a uh, babycation which is one of those uh, last-ditch uh, hurrah vacations before you have your baby, right? So we, we uh, saved up all of our vacation hours, and we saved up some extra money, and we took a uh, Scandinavian cruise. And our first stop in, in the first foreign country, aside from England, that I'd ever been to was uh, Oslo, Norway. No, no, that's not it. Stay, stay there for a while longer. Uh, and so we got to Oslo, Norway, and my wife is a super adventurous person. Uh, she is also a cheap person. So when she saw all of these $200 excursions that you can buy on your cruise to go see Oslo, she says, no, we can do that all on our own. And so we just got off the boat, and we walked all around this beautiful European city. We explored uh, down this road and that road, and we were doing great, and we were having a wonderful time. And I was taking pictures, and she put on a Viking hat at one point, but right after she put on this uh, Viking hat, we went down a road, and, and the scenery changed a little bit, but we didn't really get that alarmed, and, uh, and then we, we saw kind of a group of strange uh, people that were, that were just acting in ways that made you nervous, and so we thought, well, we'll just keep on walking, and then we in, found ourselves walking into uh, a street, uh, and underneath our feet were a bunch of used-up syringes. And so suddenly we realized we had wandered ourselves into uh, the wrong part of town. And we looked down the street that we're going down, and it actually is a dead-end alley. And so here we are in the middle of Oslo, and we are lost. And we feel very afraid, because now we have to go back through that group of drug heads or whatever they were to, to get out. And so we suddenly went from excited adventurers to lost wanderers. Oslo became a wilderness like that. 
And that, I think, is kind of a, a maybe, maybe a story that, whether you've been to Oslo or not, you, you can relate to. Um, life does this. Life does this. We all charge out, living life, ready to fill this world as, as, as young people, uh, charging forward with our, our education and our chutzpah. Uh, and, and suddenly, kind of almost gradually, or even as a surprise, we, we get to a place where, where things aren't right. Things are confusing. Things are over our heads. We get to a place maybe in our careers where we've been promoted and we're the only person in the room that knows that was the dumbest idea that anyone could have put me in the position I'm in because now I, I don't know what I am doing. Uh, we, we get to a place where suddenly, you know, we don't have our parents helping us solve problems. We, we get to places where we are stuck, you know, and, and it doesn't necessarily all um, come at us like we think it will. Maybe, maybe we get stuck with, with bad news. We get stuck with a chronic illness. We get stuck with a, a marriage that's not thriving. Uh, we, we get stuck with life plans not working out. We get stuck with loneliness. I, I think that this world brings us slowly and gradually but inevitably into a place that, that we call the wilderness, where we don't have the answers, we don't feel secure, we don't know what to do. That's the wilderness. And the story of the wilderness is actually the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is that God created uh, the first human beings to live in this wonderful place, this Garden of Eden where God was and everything was taken care of. And Adam and Eve ended up deciding that they would rather have life where they were in charge than God in charge. And so they brought into this beautiful garden sin. And sin and God cannot be in the same place. So God sent Adam and Eve out of the garden. And they went into the wilderness, to the untended land, to the hostile ground, to the unforgiving, God-forsaken outside world. And really, ever since then, we have been living in wilderness. And we are experiencing wilderness in every one of our lives in one way or another. What is the wilderness? The wilderness is a place of danger. It's a place of hostility. It is God forsaken. It is a place of lostness. It is just a place where, where when we're really honest with ourselves, we're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to go forward. I don't know how to solve this. And even if, even if we think that we are solving it, even if we think we are mastering this, this chaos of a world around us, when it's quiet, you feel empty. And you realize, even as I feel like I've got everything under control here, on the inside of me, I feel like I'm screaming in an insane asylum. What is going on? Why is this happening this way? Why can't we get anything fixed? That is the wilderness. That is lostness. And so I, I want to ask you, where are you feeling lost? Where are you feeling in the wilderness? 
It could be in your career. It could be in your life choices. I remember when I was a young uh, college student, everybody's like, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? What are you going to do? you got to make up that mind, your mind right now. What are you going to do for 40 years? That was a terrifying question. I had no idea. I felt so lost. Here's the surprise about the gospel of Mark. As we feel lost, as we feel like we are in the, the wilderness, here is the surprise. The gospel of Mark tells us that the wilderness is also the place where we find Jesus. The wilderness is also the place where we find Jesus. Look at verse 3. Gospel of Mark starts by telling us that Jesus starts his ministry in the wilderness. Why? Because the gospel is the story of God sending his son into the wilderness to find us. The gospel is the story of what God does to fix Genesis 3. Mark shows us that Jesus is the way maker who brings us out of the wilderness. He meets us in our lostness to bring us home. So as you think about where you're in the wilderness, where you are lost, I want to let you know that the gospel of Mark speaks hope to that. Mark 1, 2 through 13, which is what we are looking at today, is going to show us three ways that Jesus brings us out of the wilderness. He brings us out of the wilderness by giving us a new beginning. He brings us out of the wilderness by giving us a new belonging. And he brings us out of the wilderness by bringing us a new deliverance. We're going to go through those piece by piece here. So if you have one of those handouts, you're, 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 doing, you're swimming now, okay? Jesus comes into the wilderness to bring us a new beginning. The Gospel of Mark is... Uh, uh, the beginning of the New Testament. I mean, the Gospel of Matthew is the first uh, book, but uh, we are at the very beginning of what we call the New Testament age. And so the Gospel of Mark is reporting events that are happening in the late 20s uh, to the early 30s AD. And this is important to grasp because you have to go 400 years before these events in AD 25 or so to hear God speaking to his people. The, the last book of the Old Testament is Malachi, and it was written around 400 B.C. So for the entire existence of the United States of America, God had not sent a word to his people Israel. And so they had been living in a time of silence, not hearing from God. They, in fact, were living in a, in a condition called exile. They were not sure that God was still their God because they were not hearing from him. And things in their world just kept going from bad to worse. One king after another would come and take over the land of Israel, and now the biggest, baddest, toughest people in the world, the Romans, had taken up the land of Israel, and everybody who was a Jew was actually under the thumb of Rome. 400 years. Imagine that silence. How desperately they wanted to hear something. 
and there was silence. Perhaps you were, are here today feeling just lost in God's silence. Where is God? Why doesn't he say anything? Why doesn't he answer my prayers? That's a, that's a lostness of doubt. That is a lostness from silence. And here is what the Gospel of Mark reports. That silence is broken. That silence is broken by John the Baptist. John the Baptist was this first prophet that God had sent to speak a message from him in 400 years. Now, now who is John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist is somebody that God foretold would come. He, he, he said in the, the scriptures uh, that he would send a messenger to prepare the way for God when the time was right. And the book of Malachi also announced that the prophet Elijah would come back to let people know it's time to get ready, God is about to move. And so John the Baptist comes to fulfill that prophecy, that he is the, way, the, the one who is preparing the way, and he comes dressing and acting just like Elijah. You might notice that, that, that it describes him wearing a camel vest and, and eating bugs. Um, that's not the standard diet or the standard dress for prophets. But if you, if you go back and look at 2 Kings uh, 1.8, you will see that Elijah wore the exact same clothes and ate the exact same diet. So John the Baptist is coming like Elijah to announce the way needs to be made, the Lord is coming. And so what we have with John the Baptist is a fulfillment of God's promises. Promises that were what, hundreds of years old. God is now saying, I am fulfilling my word. So, John the Baptist is essentially the prophet that God sent to announce God's great plan to redeem the world. And his message was simple. The one who comes after me, who is mightier than me, he is the one that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, which is a way of saying he is the one who will bring the salvation that your hearts have longed for. He is the one that's coming. So John the Baptist's whole mission was to tell people, pay attention to the next guy. And the next guy is Jesus. John announces that Jesus is the mighty one, the Lord, to save his people. So Jesus is introduced to us here in the Gospel of Mark as the long-promised Savior. We have been dealing with the silence of God, but the promises of God never expired. The promises that God would send a Savior, that God would send a, a Messiah, never were forgotten. They were kept and fulfilled in Jesus. So what does that mean? It means that you do not have to live in silence and doubt. You don't. You don't have to live there. Jesus has come into our wilderness to bring a new beginning. And he speaks. He speaks to each and every one of us. Every day, these words. 
from the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Friends, if you are feeling like you are living in silence, if you are feeling like you are living in doubt, if you feel burdened with questions, take the words of Jesus sincerely. He says, come to me. Bring your heavy labors. Bring your burdens. And take them to him. Jesus meets us in the wilderness so that we can know him. Jesus comes to the wilderness to bring us a new beginning, a beginning where we can take what burdens us and remove it and put it upon him, where we can take the silence and the fear and the doubt and learn from him. That is what Jesus offers us as he meets us in the wilderness. So Jesus brings a new beginning, but second, Jesus comes to bring us a new belonging, a new belonging. Sometimes I think, all I really want, all I really need, is to feel like I belong. I mean, I know you probably look at a pastor and say, that's got to be the easiest life in the world. But it's hard. It's hard to always seek to be the pastor. And sometimes... You feel like you don't belong. People are like, I wish the pastor wasn't here. We'd party a lot harder. <laughs> When's the pastor going home? Then we can get out, you know, the real, the real fun. Uh, you feel, and every one of us feels, this ache of, of wanting to belong. I, I, I think we have these questions in our mind, even, even when things are appear good, we still have this kind of nudging question, even in the places that seem to accept us the most. Do you love me? Do you, do you really love me? And when we say that, we're saying, I mean, do you know me? Do you, do you know what crap is in my head? Do you know how bent my desires are? Do you know how many times I've imagined punching you in the face in this conversation? <laughs> I'm just saying these things that are in our heads, the people that love us, they don't know what's in there. So do we really know we're loved? Because does anyone really know us? And then with that, we have this question, are you happy with me? I mean, do you really think I'm, I'm good? Do you really think I'm uh, doing well? Do you, do you really think I'm succeeding? I, uh, in my, my last pastorate, when things were just getting, getting very difficult, there was a time when I was just with the leaders, and um, they asked how I was doing. And I wasn't planning on this, but I just, I just started weeping. I mean, uncontrollable weeping, tears, 
I was apologizing because I was being such a sobbing idiot. And I was being real. And I was very disappointed. I was really struggling. And so without me wanting to, I just laid out my heart wide open in front of this group. And I couldn't stop. It just kept flooding and flooding and flooding. And I, I, I just felt like a bigger fool for each sobbing minute. And then when it was all over, there was just silence. None of these men came alongside me. And I was just there, exposed and alone, feeling unloved and feeling disqualified. And that, I think, is the heart of our desire to belong because we're afraid that at the end of the day, that's really what's true. People don't know us and people don't think we're great and people actually um, aren't for us. John is out here in the wilderness calling people to reconnect with God through repentance and baptism. And so John's baptism uh, is, is a message that basically boils down to this. Come and be baptized as a way of saying we have gone our own way and we are lost. It's a way to confess, I am lost, Lord. Bring me home. And then this surprising thing happens. Jesus comes to be baptized. Does anybody find the, the, the news that there's a baptism of repentance and then Jesus, the, the Son of God, the sinless Son of God, comes and says, baptize me? I mean, that's, that's kind of a strange thing. Is this, is, is this saying that Jesus was, was needing to be uh, baptized? Was he, was he a sinner after all? No. What, what we have here is that Jesus comes to be baptized because Jesus came to fulfill by obedience every word of God. And the word of God was John the Baptist's message. If you are God's people, come and be baptized. And so Jesus fulfills by obedience every word of God, and it starts with the word of John. He is baptized as part of fulfilling all righteousness. And so this baptism, in kind of a technical sense, announces that Jesus' ministry to be the Savior of the world has officially begun. And we know that it has begun because three amazing things happen as soon as he is baptized. First, the heavens are torn open. Second, the Spirit of God descends upon him and blesses his ministry. And the third is that God speaks from the clouds, speaks from the heavens to say, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And so this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But in the baptism of Jesus is more than just the beginning of his ministry. For us, his baptism communicates what his ministry is all about. You see, in Jesus' baptism, he communicates that he is here for us. His baptism is for us. And here's what I mean by that. Um, baptism is going in, in under the water and then, and then coming out. Now, everything in, in, uh, in the scriptures are full of meaning from how they've been used in the past and what they've communicated in the past. And water has a lot of message to it as far as its significance. Water typically communicates judgment. 
So remember the flood. God deluged the whole world. The whole world was put under a baptism to, to, to wipe out all of the sin. Think of the Red Sea, where the Red Sea was split and then Pharaoh's armies are, are, are brought in under that water and destroyed. That was God's judgment. Water has a message of judgment. So when we are baptized, when, when we get put under the water figuratively, that's an expression of our death. And then when we are brought out of that water, that is a picture of being brought back to life. And so baptism is a message of death, and death in the Bible is judgment. So what, what we have here is that Jesus is being baptized not because he is a sinner, but because he has come to take the place of sinners. He is standing in the waters of baptism to stand in our place. Dwell on that. The righteous one stands in our place of judgment. I'm going to move this down a little bit. Try to anyway. Sorry. He stands in our place of judgment. Um, in, in going into baptism, he is announcing at the very beginning of his ministry that he will die for our sins. He will die for our sins. His mission was never apart from that. And so in the baptism, Jesus is announcing his union with us. You see? He, he is saying, I am with you. I am I am in your waters. I am in your place. And so he is communicating a union with us. And why does he do that? This is marvelous. He stands in our place of judgment so that we will eventually stand in his place of glory. That is the message that he is wanting to communicate here. Look at verse 11. The heavens declare, God from heaven declares, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is a timeless statement. The, 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 the tense of it is never ending. God is always pleased. God is always full of love. God is always delighted with his son. Are those not the words of belonging that we all crave? To know that we are perfectly, fully, intensely loved and loved for all time. Loved no matter what. No, loved no matter what is discovered about us. That is the kind of love that we want. And when God said he is well pleased, he is saying, I am delighted. I am over the moon with joy when I look at you. And that is the message that God speaks to his son, Jesus. And how desperately would it, would it be to our souls if we knew that we were known that way? How can we ever hear these words? Listen, what Jesus receives at his baptism, we receive when we trust in Jesus. Listen to these words from the book of Galatians chapter 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Do you see what this is saying? It, it is saying that Jesus came to take the baptism of judgment 
so that all who are in Jesus might receive the baptism of the Spirit, which is to say that they are made sons and daughters of God, so that we are able to cry to God the same way Jesus is able to cry to God, Abba, Father. We are in the same place as the Son when we are in Jesus. And so the words that God speaks at the baptism of Jesus are the words that God speaks to everyone who puts themselves in Jesus. This is new belonging. Beloved, you want to be loved? Nobody can love you more intensely and perfectly than God the Father. And in Christ, He loves you. You want to be well-pleasing. You want to know that your life matters. You want to know that someone in this world delights in you just for who you are. In Jesus, God says to you, I am well-pleased. Full stop. Jesus stands in our place so that we can stand in His. Does this move your heart? In Jesus, you are no longer lost. You belong. Now third, Jesus comes to bring us a new deliverance. The next thing we see is that Jesus is driven out into the wilderness where he does a, a battle with, with the evil one, Satan. And I know that categories like Satan may be foreign to you, but, but this is just the concentration of evil that God is resisting. And Jesus is is uh, in battle with him, and, and Satan is bringing temptations, trying to stop Jesus from fulfilling his mission. Mark's account is a lot shorter than what you find in Matthew and Luke, but we see that Jesus triumphs here where, where Adam failed. Adam was tempted by the serpent in the garden, and he fell, and that's why we all live in the wilderness. But here, Jesus in the wilderness is tempted by Satan, and Satan is unsuccessful. Satan is unable to stop Jesus, to, to pry Jesus away from obedience to God. Jesus' victory over Satan shows that he brings the power to deliver us from the wilderness. And how is that? It is by this fact. His righteousness is invincible. Satan is powerless against the righteousness of Jesus. And so listen to this. Satan has no claim on Christ, and thus, when we are in Christ, Satan has no claim on us. I know that means something to people today, because I know that, that the powers of evil and the powers of temptation are pulling in every single one of us in many different ways. It may be oppressing us with grief. It may be oppressing us with depression. It may be oppressing us with, with temptation or addiction. Satan is using these things to pull us down and deeper into the wilderness. But in Christ, those things are voided. In Christ, the power of Satan has no claim. So where has the wilderness of the world, its temptations, its deceptions taken hold of you? Christ 
has come to deliver you. And Christ delivers you when you answer the call, come to me, bring those burdens to him and lay them upon him. and He will deliver you from them. So Jesus has come to our wilderness to give us a new beginning, to give us new belonging, and to give us new deliverance. Beloved, we, we don't have to be lost. We don't have to be fearful. When we were uh, in Oslo and we were scared and we were wondering how are we going to get out of here, you know what we were able to, to do to get our way home? We were able to see just over the, the building the cruise ship that was our cruise ship. And so we were able to just look to the cruise ship and move ourselves out of danger. Now here's what I want you to know about the wilderness. You are not alone in the wilderness. Simply do as John the Baptist says, repent, which is simply a word for turn. Turn and look and see. Jesus is in that wilderness. And if you turn to him, from that place and that moment, he will bring you a new beginning, a new belonging, and a new deliverance. Turn to him. You will find the way maker is at your side. He is ready to bring you home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the gospel. We thank you that you have sent your son Jesus into the wilderness, which is where we are. We could never come to him but you brought him to us. Father, for those who are struggling today, whether it be in the feeling of silence, whether it be in the feeling of not belonging, or whether it be in, in the oppressiveness of this evil world, Father, let them hear your words, come to me, and know that they are not alone. Father, we pray as your son taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.